the city of Kherson to the north and northeast, I guess. Um, and if those two bridges are taken out, there are no more working land connections between the city of Kherson and other uh, Russian-occupied regions. Uh, that being true, uh, th- that would severely limit Russians' capacity and capability to get struck. Um, so I think that between those two, I think that's, uh, that's quite meaningful. Mike, Mike. Uh, maybe go back to Nina? Yeah, Nina, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, actually, Sojo sent me the video, yes, and I saw it. And uh, and then when I was watching the video, I missed what you said here. So uh, uh, multitasking is not always like productive. So, yeah, uh, but uh, I gathered that much that, that uh, this is not good for Russia and uh, good for uh, better than better for Ukraine than for Russia. Yeah, like I've sat through a couple discussions of we don't quite know what to make of it yet. But yeah, it seems like there's like a few different theories about it. One is maybe they're trying to hit something that was on the bridge initially, although that doesn't quite gel with the like evidence on the ground. Um, The second option is maybe they were testing the capabilities of something in terms of how much it can punch through concrete, how well the the delay fuses work. Maybe it's a new kind of shell they have. Uh, That doesn't seem likely either. The most likely explanation is they're punch, they're either demonstrating um, like the ability to hit the bridge and telling the Russians, "Hey, check it out, um, have fun trying to cross this bridge with your equipment," or they're um, slowly punching little holes in the bridge to sort of reduce the structural integrity of the overall um, bridge itself without destroying it. And that means later on it'll be easier to repair. Um, so that, the, that they can uh, uh, use it. So that's like the, the, I would say the two good theories are they're either trying to punch holes in the bridge to make it so as uh, someone pointed out, like a tank couldn't cross it, but maybe a car could. Um, so they have to leave their tanks behind or they're sort of testing the capabilities of certain weapon systems they have. Those are like the two theories. I think probably my, my opinion is the first one uh, that I said that they're... Uh, trying to slowly erode the structural integrity of the bridge, maybe testing that theory a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, sorry for the ramble, Nina. We got a lot of hands, so I'm going to keep uh, going here. Uh, Knockers, go ahead. Hi, guys. Um, I uh, saw something about Snake Island, that they've been on Snake Island. They've had a good clear-up. But the most important news is they found a cat, and uh, <laughs> so they've rescued it. Wow. There is a video of it as well. Oh, I'd appreciate uh-huh. the video, if anyone's got it. I have enjoyed Ukraine's rescued a lot of animals this war. They put a lot of videos up of them rescuing animals. My uh, my heart always melts when uh, when they rescue one. Of course, Patron the dog, you know. And I so also forth. Uh, say it's nice to see your face, Joseph. Oh shucks, uh, yeah, I know the internet got pretty loud yeah. about it. So here I am. Okay, well, moving on, <laughs> we'll go to uh, Adrian. Adrian, go ahead. Hey everyone, uh, do you mind if I go back on your point on soft power uh, or do you want to keep talking about this, uh, what's going on with Kherson Bridge and so on? Uh, I think David wanted to talk about the bridge, so let's go to David first about the okay. bridge. David, go ahead. Uh, hey there, yeah, so, uh, really I think I, I thought I'd chime in and say, so one and two are pretty much the same thing in the options you were talking about. Um, uh, when I was talking about testing, so the idea was, Okay, they put a hole through it. The, the go at the hole through it was always about, in my belief, about denying it, denying it for resupply, and and all the other things, i.e., taking the 
heavy weapons out. Um, and uh, the thing we have to remember is, is that when, when, I, when I talked about um, taking the piers out, which would just destroy the bridge, um, uh, we can, you could just uh, to allow heavy weapons uh, to go over once the Russians have gone out, you just prop the bridge underneath it to make it safe. Remember, uh, we're not talking about um, making it safe for commercial reasons and putting commercial tra traffic over it. All we're saying is prop the bridge underneath it and you'd be able to get your, your own tanks to get over it afterwards. Um, and, and they're two separate things is making something safe for a wartime period and making something safe um, uh, for civilian traffic, really. Um, uh, the Putting the holes in it is by far the best uh, thing for them it, it, there's very few bridges around um, uh, if you took the bridge just down completely i.e destroyed the pier legs you're in the point of having to build a whole new bridge maybe put pontoons over that would be really really slow uh, whereas propping the bridge from underneath would be relatively quick right uh, we're not talking hours or anything like that but it means you'd be able to get uh, military traffic over it uh, quite quickly um and then um you'd be able to get heavier military tra uh, traffic over it in a number of days i'd suggest uh, there is a, a maybe there's a couple of people who want to chime in ne museum i think you should be uh, uh, putting your points forward here as well Somehow, museum used to accidentally come up every time he joined the space, and uh, I used to be able to get an interview out of him when he did that. But he figured out how to do, how to join the space without accidentally coming up, and ever since I haven't yeah, gotten him. I've been telling him he needs to join in. <laughs> There's not you, enough sappers so, here. So for our listeners, yeah, um, David was a combat engineer. Oh, he is coming up. Uh, David was a combat engineer, so uh, he he knows what he's talking about. And I was going to ask Doman, do you have any questions for David uh, while we've got him up here? I think that David will be kind enough to hang out with us for a little bit and uh, maybe let's hear out museum a little bit first uh, and then maybe we can have museum and David, you know, kind of riffing off each other and, and we could show totally explain facts, everything. Right? Exactly. Museum. Yeah. Hi. I'm, yeah. I, I quite agree with what David's saying. I've, I've been a bit surprised that they were able to punch holes with straightforward artillery, it appears. Um, but what David was saying, you know, as a, Former sapper is quite right. You, you know, you're propping underneath a good option. I think it's about denying it to heavy traffic. And if you attack the the deck of, between the supports, you've, you've got the option of propping and possibly over bridging, depending on the span, you know, in the same way that you would for a river crossing. So, yeah, it seems a, a clever tactic to me. And it, it really gives a message to the guys in Curzon uh, as well, doesn't it? And, you know, <laughs> invites... Uh, Attacks on the approaches to the Kirch Bridge as well, really, to my mind. You know, if you really want to rub salt in the wound. David, any uh, follow-up there? No, I'm in complete agreement. <laughs> the uh, two sappers uh, in the same space uh, saying the same thing. That's very unusual. <laughs> yeah, but it's always what the big thing, isn't it, really? <laughs> oh, I know, I'm joking. I would add, when, if the Russians do retreat, they ultimately would, probably would blow the bridge anyway. So we sort of uh, discussed this. Uh, th th so their options of blowing the bridge are really with artillery. Uh, if you wanted to blow the bridge by sticking men on it, um, uh, that would be uh, very difficult. Um, uh, blowing a bridge by putting manpower and putting demolitions around it is time consuming and they're well within range. Uh, that bridge is well within range of artillery. Um, uh, so um, 
the Ukrainians would just put airbuster artillery around it because you don't want to damage the bridge too much and just take out the people who are going to dam it up. So then the option is, is that they would need to try and take the bridge out with artillery. But um, if the Russians are in a, a, a hurry to leave, I, I, they probably won't be uh, thinking about that. I mean, uh, uh, when troops are in a hurry to leave, loads and loads of things get left behind. So my yeah. question for both of you is the following. Mm. Isn't this something that the Russians would have prepared possibly already or could prepare now? Isn't this because like we okay? I, I just keep thinking back to World War II Switzerland and how they had every bridge between Switzerland and Germany preemptively mined and preemptively set up for demolition. Isn't this something that the Russians could prepare now and then I don't know detonate remotely or something after they finished evacuation? Why would this be so difficult for them to achieve now if the Swiss kind of had it ready eighty years ago? Well, I think that I think the Swiss designs and some of the more of the later German designs, as you say, they had chambers in you know strategic places where you could put an appropriate amount of explosives and and blow them. But um, you know, we in the British Army of the Rhine in the Cold War days, you know, bridge demolition guard was a was a common task, and and the fallback uh, emergency uh, response to, you know, a hasty demolition for some, for some bridges was basically drive trucks, truckloads of explosives on them and set them off. You know, they, they weren't, clearly weren't all designed for that. Um, and it, it can be quite hard to uh, damage reinforced concrete. It's very resilient. You, you know, you think of the footage you've seen of Grozny and uh, Chechnya. I mean, okay, tower blocks and so on. But you, you think of the pounding that they took and they stayed in place and david's point about the amount of damage they could take without collapsing um and still being usable is quite true i mean you know some of my colleagues you you'll know that bridges are often rated for certain loads well that's certain loads at certain speeds typically that uh, they can take much heavier loads but at slower speeds so it could be the case that even a badly damaged bridge could take you know reasonably heavy loads I, I you, when you start to get onto tanks if the damage is bad enough i suspect you, you're, you're struggling but if you if you move them slowly enough and if you space them out enough then then you can move them but of course they would be better targets at that point so it all becomes quite tricky for them i think but we, but you're right we if they they could have prepared it i think there would probably have been indications um for the to the locals the locals would have seen sappers out on the bridges and putting things and, and it's it can be hard to hide the the fact that you've done something you know and people that are looking for it i would have thought would spot you know um crates of explosives in strategic places and additionally there's the other thing when you uh, when you pre-dem a bridge uh, you're offering that as a target aren't you uh, so that uh, at that point and the russians of course they're always second guessing what's going to happen will they blow the bridge do they want to blow the bridge do they just want to deny the bridge um, and then if you stick loads of uh, explosives around it, then you're offering that as a target for someone to just come along and blow it up. So my memory, my memory serves me correctly, already at the end of March, when it first seemed that Russians might not be doing so well in Kherson, when Ukrainians pushed them back from Mykolaiv, there were little boats, boats, whatever, not submarines, you know what I mean, normal, normal usage of boats, okay. seen around uh, the piers of the bridge. 
and the supposition was that they were you know preparing um some sort of my you know pre mining the bridge at the time already um but with that let's go to uh mp and then to pendolino and then to timu who i'm sure all want to talk about exactly the same thing and then we'll swing back to uh to uh the two ex-british sappers mp thanks uh how is my mic by the way it's all right okay good 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 yeah hey excellent discuss that's want to contribute to the discussion and uh pretty much you know listening in and and have been listening you know you know for a few for weeks, weeks now, and you know what's what's upcoming is of course the battle of the Kherson city, and and why Ukrainians you know wouldn't blow up all the bridges yet is is why like John Spencer said you know leave the back door open for Russians to retreat because you know when when the urban city combat happens and you have your own civilians there like you know what Ukrainians will 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 face is that that will be very devastating for the city and the civilians of the Ukrainians. And, and you, you bet, you know, Russians will be, you know, fighting among, among uh, Ukrainian civilians and have their heavy weapons, you know, cover, cover you know, in the civilian in- infrastructure. So uh, I would say, you know, this is kind of the tactic as this way that, you know, if the Russians start feeling that they are threatened, you know, leave the door open that they can escape. And if you guys remember, you know, how the Russians perform when they when they are mobile, you know, moving the columns and using the roads they are excellent targets after that and 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 that's that's you know that's that's away from their doctrine they like to be you know in solid positions using the heavy artillery just you know pounding you but you know you need to make them mobile move them away and hit them then and you know make some doubt into them into their mind so that's just my you know comments thanks could i just respond to that on where there were hands up before sure me. Yeah, yeah no museum go ahead Go ahead, Museum, and then we'll go. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely agree with you, uh, MP, or Mike. Sorry, I didn't catch your name. Um, I, I think you're entirely right. I think they are leaving them a way out. I, I also wonder whether the Ukrainian high command has been, um, been oh, well, clearly they've been planning this for a long time and planning it in great detail. And one of the things that stood out for me is the way that they have not Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Maria Report. I'm sorry for yet another crash today. Who knows what the hell's going on with uh, Twitter uh, today? But this is the Maria Report. We're here to talk about Ukraine. It is the Wednesday, 20th of July, 2022. It's 11.33 a.m. in Central Europe, 12.33 p.m., I guess, in Kiev, um, 10.33 in London, 5.33 in New York, and an ungodly hour of 2.33 in the morning on the west coast of North America. Uh, this is the Maria Report, and we are here about the I'm just going to do a really quick job editing the title. If you'd like to come up and speak, hopefully we can get uh, David, the museum, and MP, and Timo up in no time uh, to continue talking about that Antonovsky Bridge by Herson. Uh, Joseph, can you take off? Uh, can you take on speaking for a little bit so I can edit the title because I literally can't do both things at the same time. You bet, Doman. It just took me a second to become co-host there to ascend, ascend to this role. Uh, I'm just, I'm just retweeting the space, you know, like everyone should be doing. We, we really appreciate it. Appreciate all you people retweeting the space out there. And we're back. That's usually what I title my crash. That Twitter, huh, Doman? Anyway, uh, so sorry, everyone. Uh, you know, I don't know why everyone 
I shouldn't apologize. It's Twitter's fault, not ours. But uh, anyway, we were having a great discussion. We had some bridge engineers talking about bridges. I'm getting them all back up right now. I want to make sure we got enough people filing in. So please uh, retweet the space, I'll say again. Uh, and with that, I'll go to David, uh, who was a sapper in the British uh, Army. Uh, or, or UK Army, I should say. Go ahead, David. Yeah, once a sapper, always a sapper, right? Um, uh, so I, I think uh, we should probably let uh, Museum finish uh, his bit first, and then I'll, I'll add some, I'll add some uh, content as well. Absolutely, Museum. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, sorry about the crash. I go ahead. Yeah, hi. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I'd wondered whether it was something I'd done. <laughs> it was just me. <clears throat> no, the, the, I was touching on a point that I, I found interesting to think about lately, which is the the discipline that the ukrainian nation and the government of the people have shown in with regard to insurrection it has not been willy-nilly i'm sure unseen to us there's been a lot of uh, action behind the lines and plenty of things done that we don't know about but given the extent of the you know the deliberation and the preparation for this battle of Kurzon, i'm wondering whether we're going we, whether we will be about to see something quite special in terms of the or in terms of the insurrection, because we've had situations in the past. I mean, you can all think of um, examples from the Second World War where, you know, the Warsaw Ghetto, for example, where, you know, for their own reasons, the Russians stopped short and denied the uh, the Poles, you know, their support. So that failed because they didn't have the heavy, heavy weapons to fight. There have been airborne operations. You know, typically you think of the British at the Market Garden at Arnhem Bridge, you know, lack of lack of heavy weapons, and that's a real constraint for any insurrection or you know a body of soldiers behind the enemy lines. And I'm just wondering whether now, with the longer range weapons, um, you know, in, in range, hopefully in comms with the people uh, behind the Russian lines or in occupied Herzon, and perhaps for the first time with sufficient precision that they can contemplate supporting their own um, special forces and their own insurrectionists with fire that's sufficiently precise that they won't completely gut their city. You know, combined with, you know, man portable anti-tank weapons. You know, I just, I just wonder whether this has been part of the deliberation here and whether it, whether it will pay out that way, really. That's me thinking out loud, I guess. Yeah, so Nazim, I guess if like if I'm a babushka, right, and and Ukrainian special forces comes to me and says like here, you know what what are they giving me like a laser pointer, and I'm gonna go and like point out and designate a target, and that's gonna give GPS coordinates. Like, what do you think? Um, you know, what tools could be given that could give the artillery information that would help them specialize their their fire, like target the the appropriate things uh, in the city russian military targets yeah i'm i'm behind the times on all this really i mean my you know my my training is sort of 30 years out of date but what you're describing about uh, you know laser target markers was one thing that seems to be mostly used in conjunction with with aircraft i think um and may, maybe that will come into play um artillery and mortar fire controllers or forward observation officers do use laser rangefinders and with GPS, if you know your uh, exact position with some precision, 
you can then do what's called a, a polar fire mission where you're, you're giving polar coordinates, you know, which is, I know that I'm here, you know that I'm here. And if you go on this bearing to this distance and hit that, you will hit, you know, four T-72s or this battalion of men in a forming up area, that sort of thing. But I, I could imagine that they would, the Ukrainians seem to be very cute. It's their, it's their home territory. And I could imagine, frankly, they might even just go with the dresses, you know. To tell us where it is, give, describe it by reference to a particular building, and away they go. Um, I, they seem to be very flexible and, you know, work it to, you know, whatever works, they seem to do. Yeah, it's a very good point. Like uh, Operator Starsky, who's a friend of the show, I, I, I'm proud to say he's been on a few times. Uh, he mentioned his unit, right? Uh, they had a, a Russia had a news story on uh, about this uh, new gun they were firing. And uh, his unit said, hey, wait a minute. I think I know that building. And they checked on Google. They figured out the building and they counterfired in under a minute and they, they got the gun. So, you know, that's that's the level of uh, flexibility. Go ahead, David. Yeah, yeah. And to add to that, there are some amazing tools. So I wouldn't, uh, if it was um, things like um, laser designators take quite a bit of training. There are things that don't, like just Google Maps. Uh, there are, There's a tool which is called What Three Words? Um uh, which will basically place you within an area of about 10 meters. Um, you could just do that. Obviously, you'd probably want a phone that was on a VPN, right? Which means that um, if anyone's tracking it, they can't, you know, they can't break that encryption. All sort of that stuff. And like you say, with the uh, the addresses, that's uh, that's full away. But uh, what I'd like to chat to is uh, Eurobroker uh, sent me a pic um, uh, just now, uh, which is about the bridge. And we were talking about would they um, have pre-demmed uh, the bridge up? So um, what I haven't said is I used to be a diver, a military diver. Um, so uh, so I looked at it. So it does look like um, possibly they they had a dive platform around one of the one of the central piers. Uh, but the thing is, is that um, uh, in the uh, the counter. Um, defensive stuff now so if they did put a, a, a dive platform down there and they pre-demmed the bridge obviously then that becomes a focus point um uh, if there's pictures of the dive platform and people doing it uh, certainly the uh, uh U- ukrainian military and in- intelligence would know about it um i don't think there's any risk of of the uh, of the famous um spetsnaz dolphins uh, hanging around loitering around that bridge so you would just uh, stick a couple of divers in there um, uh, on some rebreather kit. Rebreather, uh, for anyone knows it. So when people uh, think about divers, um, uh, depending on what role you're doing, so you might just have um, a self-contained apparatus, or you can have um, surface demand, which is where they pump the air down to you, um, uh, which is what you would use for a, a dive platform. Uh, there's um, self-contained kit, which is basically just air that's compressed and you breathe that and then there's a thing called rebreather uh, which is oxygen right it's just oxygen you can't go below 10 meters because uh, o- pure oxygen when it's compressed becomes poisonous um uh, but as long as you're uh, that and rebreathers uh, um don't leave bubbles in the water right because that's the classic thing that you're looking for if you're on a, a bridge a bridge stag duty is there any 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 weird bubbles coming out? And that's probably an indicator that someone's down uh, down around the pier. You would just send some people on rebreathers um, 
upriver um, and you would just fin down, uh, fin over to the uh, uh, and, and this is because obviously I'm I'm really old. Right. So they'll, they'll have a newer technology now. In, but in the case of me, this is in the 1970s and the 80s. Um, you'd be upriver. You would fin down uh, towards the bridge, get to the bridge, and then inspect the piers. Right. Most of this piece, it's it's at night, but most most rivers and the rest of it are really dirty anyway. So visibility is very poor. Uh, but you would just hand search um, that area. Right. Um, there are these things aren't underwater explosives aren't really going to be booby trapped because right when you want to uh, blow a bridge up you want to blow it up at your time as opposed to someone coming along a fish coming along and hitting something and then suddenly it blowing up so you, you relatively easy take that those exposes off um uh and um and therefore you've uh, you've saved that bridge as it were museum yeah uh, just one other point uh one of the aspects of bridge demolitions is is how often it's cocked up, you know, that, that people don't do what they should do or do it at the wrong time. Um, and, you know, NATO, it was a whole big thing. You know, if you were in charge of a bridge demolition, you had, a, you know, a very serious set of orders, you know, um, as to when you could blow the bridge you know you you had very little initiatives you know some you did some bridges of course were blown early because you want to deny the enemy movement and other bridges were to be blown if the you know on command or if you you know if the enemy was approaching and other bridges were not to be blown at all except or you know except on you know direct command from you know higher formations and you know russia doesn't seem to have spectacularly good communications or good command systems so i, I would think there's, there's real potential for them to just uh, screw it up and either trap their own guys or just fail to blow it altogether that's definitely yeah. an interesting angle the divers domain what do you any any thoughts here domain go ahead well i'm i'm just curious david in museum how easy is to is it to do this if and when you're not that close to the bridge yourself. So basically what I'm getting at is right now, I would surmise it's probably a difficult operation to execute because Ukrainians do not have the control of that bit of the Dnipro and nowhere really that close of the Dnipro. They either have to come by the sea and, you know, there's only so many places where you can enter the river or you'd have to come downstream where both banks are, uh, um, where both banks uh, are um, you know controlled by by Russia if you're coming downstream, right? So it's kind of difficult to do it now, and it would be probably the sort of thing that how should we put it, um, where where the Russians might want to blow it up as soon as they've retreated. So as soon as you're in an easy position or an easy exposition to do such an operation, it might be difficult uh, for for the Ukrainians to do it. You know, just before the bridge is blown up. Does that kind of make sense? Well, you see what I, I'm getting at? I can answer the question, right? So uh, the, the problem for the Russians is at the moment they don't know what the Ukrainians are doing, right? They don't want to blow up that that bridge way too early because they're denying themselves um, an escape route. Um, soldiers typically don't like doing that. Um, uh, there's a reason why New Zealand was saying about uh, the reason why you want to keep it open is because people who have no escape will just fight to the death and it will just be um, you're you're going to create more carnage. So you always, if you can, try and allow uh, 
unless you you felt that you're in sufficient force that you could just roll over and take take everyone out very easily uh, but that probably isn't the case so you just you give them escape routes so they can go the russians don't know when the ukrainians are going to attack um so everything they do is in response reactive um so let's just say for argument's sake and i will use different time frames let's just pretend we're in april uh now and um uh, ukrainians uh, have got everything ready for around about um uh, an attack on april april the 20th right well they know they're going to attack so then um shortly before that then you would send your divers in uh, they would go in um and uh they, you know, because it's all about the strategic advantage and risks and the rest of it. Your divers would go in at that point and then uh, loiter around in in the area that um, uh, you might thin out to an area. We will have a, a good idea as to where the troops are nowadays with uh, satellite and the rest of it. You will go. These are where this is where the troops are. This is where the troops aren't right. Fin over to this area once you've done your task and then um, uh, wait for us to pick us up. Or in actual fact, you would just tab it back out um uh, which is uh, how i would we would have been doing in the back in in the day it was just okay you've done that bit um uh, are we going to wait how long are we going to wait or should we just leg it in the darkness but it's going to be quite a lot of explosive though isn't it david i mean this is this is outside oh, of my you know oh, my training oh, oh sorry sorry I, I, I one thing so uh, there is no way in the world that a set of divers uh, could go and blow the bridge um, yeah, it, it was only for a to stop the Russians from blowing the bridge. The the yes. amount of explosives needed to uh, blow a bit at Pierhead, as you know, is just considerable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, look, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the reason why we're laughing for anyone noticing, so uh, uh, we we will both have carried things called hayricks up uh, bowstring bridges. They're about five kilos mm-hmm. each. And, and the more adventurous people would carry three in both our hands. And it takes a considerable amount of time. Um, a, a hayrick will cut a, a certain amount of reinforced concrete and you wrap them around a pier head. So those so the total circumference of one of those piers there is probably I know it might be 15 or 20 meters. Right. So there's no way <laughs> yeah, if you if you had a if you had a submarine there. Right. You you might be able to carry enough explosives, but you wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Um, and there, there isn't any real uh, advantage to do it because what you're trying to do is keep it up. So any diving operation by the Ukrainian guys would be to stop um, any attempt to blow it up in or, or even to find out um, if there were any explosives on the pitheads. It certainly looks like, as I said from the picture I was sent, that there was a dive platform um, on one of the central piers, so you would certainly be checking it out. And I think if the Russians were re- were retreating, you know, if I was the Russian commander retreating, and I wanted to deny the Ukrainians the use of the bridge, I think I suspect that placing explosives might be difficult. But you would try that. But the fallback would be, you know, truck trucks with explosive on and detonate them on the deck, and basically, you know, do a bigger and better version of what the Ukrainians are doing with artillery, which actually. It's, it has surprised me how effective that's been. You know, <laughs> I've been really quite surprised to see that. It, it doesn't speak volumes to the construction of that bridge in my mind, but uh, pleasing to see nonetheless. 
yeah, yeah, that was quite that was quite startling to me uh, that, that they managed to punch a hole through it quite uh, quite so easily. Thank you, guys. Um, I'll, I'll ask you some more questions in a second. Let's go to Pendolina and then to Nina, and then I'll revert to asking some stuff. Pendolina. Yes, my question uh, in regard to the bridge and also to the dam is um, that I think it's uh, it's uh, if it's not a, a pre-planned uh, sabotage act to blow them up afterwards with artillery, it's next to impossible to destroy it to a to an extent uh, that it can't be made reusable quite uh, quite easy or in time because as long as the columns stay in the river, which are really hard to destroy with artillery or uh, their uh, rockets, as we have shown and uh, seen in the Satoka Bridge, um, isn't it possible to easier span then a new uh, havoc over the over the bridge, or is it uh, too easy for me to imagine that? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I, I take it you're saying if you if you destroy a span between the the supports, the the, the piers, uh, is it easy to put in a new span between them? Was that the question? Yes, yes, because I think as long as the columns cannot be destroyed. Which has to be somehow done uh, in in a uh, in a in a prepared action because with their caliber missiles, for instance, they fail to do that uh, at the Satoka Bridge. I don't think uh, there's anything else uh, uh, destroyed other than the span. Yeah, I, I mean, you're basically right. I mean, if but it depends on the span because you know the military. I would expect the, the Ukrainian army will have. Soviet pattern armoured bridging equipment and it'll, there'll be other bridges that can be put on rollers and, and just sort of trundled out and it will, it will depend on what span they can get for whatever load. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, for a given, you know, the longer, the longer the span, the lighter the load unless you beef up the depth of the deck. But, you know, there may well be ways of doing it. And, um, yeah, you're right, taking out the piers is a big ask. Um and it may be repairable, but the point that David touched on earlier about um, just degrading the bridge so that it's not usable by the heavier military equipment is is really quite a valid one. You know, if the Ukrainians are able to knock holes in this bridge with artillery um, and get it down to a, a condition where it's only foot soldiers and, uh, you know, the more adventurous you know, light vehicle drivers, then that's quite a result because it would mean that you're not going to get supplies in and you're still leaving them, you know, with uh, with a bridge to retreat over. And to be honest, they'll probably be so worried that the bridge would quickly turn golden if it wasn't already, you know. Yeah, and the thing to remember is that most troops are always very, very interested in their, uh, in their, uh, in their escape route. Uh, the last thing most people want is a, a really big river uh, behind you. This is, I mean... And for those of us, I mean, in the UK, we're used to we 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 don't really rem know big rivers really, um, uh, but the ones in Europe are really really wide, right? Uh, and you certainly wouldn't want that because you might be thinking, "Gosh, how am I even going to get over that? Can I even swim that distance?" So you, so you'd want a bridge, or 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 to have commandeered a boat. Yeah, and one of the the key things about obstacles, you know, counter mobility work is, of course, you want to try and cover it with fire as well. So. You know, the Ukrainians are clearly showing that they've got that. You know, they're, they're degrading the usefulness of the bridge. They're showing that they can put artillery on it when they want to. Um, yeah, that would be that would be a worry. Um, 
for the Russian commanders and particularly for the Russian soldiers. So it, it's going to be an interesting time. And, and I do wonder whether they're going to use Kurzon to um, as, as some kind of battle inoculation for some of the TDF, you know, the territorial units, whether perhaps they'll be, you know, slower and more cautious on the edges rather than, uh, you know, a flat out. So it, it's just going to be really interesting to see. There is a suggestion that uh, the Russian divers there at the end of March might have pre-mining on the piers as opposed to uh, doing it themselves. Um, could could that be it? Could could that be the simple reason why the Russian divers were there? That they weren't actually uh, placing charges, but merely looking for any charges that needed removing? Well, exactly. I mean, that's, uh, that's what uh, any... Uh, if- I'm assuming someone of average intelligence, right, or above average intelligence. Uh, you, uh, when you go down, firstly, you would, uh, even if you were going down uh, to add something, the first thing you would do to see what is there, right? Um, uh, but I'm, well, I, I guess they might even have, you know, um, I think it, there are some uh, at the uh, uh, fifth columnists in that area who might have seen it, um, but you would definitely check. You might even just check what the uh, the condition of the bridge is. The pi- and by bridge, I mean the peer support. Thank you. Nina. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Domi. Um, a couple of nights ago, I read that uh, they evacuated civilians from Yerson city. I think it was something like 900 and something. And uh, we, at that point, already before that, uh, I heard that there will be something happening in in Kherson city. Uh, how far do you think that? Uh, I, I guess that uh, like uh, there are Russians uh, on the um, east side of Kherson, uh, and uh, is, is there going to be some kind of urban combat, or or uh, what do you think will happen uh, in this area? And and what would be the point for the Russians to to destroy that bridge I, I that I don't understand well for the Russians if Russians retreat right from Herson across the river then they would want to destroy the bridge after their retreat so as the Ukrainians can't follow if you look at the map of uh, the Russian controlled areas on both sides of the Dnipro there are only three, there are only two places you can cross the bridge um, south of the city of Zaporizhia. There's the dam at Nova Kachovka, and then there are two bridges at Kherson, and um, two Antonovsky bridges, the road bridge and the rail bridge. Um, if, if they destroy the crossings at Kherson, that is at Zaporizhia, that's a really long distance. I mean, that's hundreds of kilometers further north. Um, or they can cross at the dam at Nova Kachovka, but of course, remember, the dam isn't... Um, the dam is much harder to destroy because it's a dam, not a bridge. And suffer many more consequences from destroying said dam because you know there's a big reservoir following the Ukrainians having a capacity to German, to cross German, there, etc. I can't hear you. It was cutting a lot. I couldn't hear you, what you, you said. You, oh God, I'm sorry, Joseph. Can you can you tackle this? It's so the Russians can't follow. Yeah, sorry, Nina. What was the question? Uh, I talked about the. Uh... What, what what was the point to if the Russians would want to to um, uh, destroy the bridge? But uh, actually, Dorman, I was thinking that uh, why would they destroy it 
before they would be out. So, so they uh, wouldn't. They no, would not destroy it before they leave. No, but they would prepare it so that they can destroy it immediately, right? This is why we're talking about pre- Russians uh-uh. mining the bridge, possibly. Yeah, so yeah. that okay. when they leave, they can destroy it with a press of a button as opposed to having to then place the explosive still and do all that complicated stuff while retreating. Yeah, uh, there, and, and... there is one point to this, though. Um, the thing to remember is, is that whilst the people in Kherson, who are north of the bridge, might not blow it, um, uh, the, the Russian command who are south of the bridge might just blow it. They have a, a, a complete disregard for their own troops, and they would know that if they blow those, uh, the, uh, the bridges, then uh, they're uh, effectively saying, uh, uh, you know, you're fighting. Thank you, so David. Sorry, Roman. Can I have a follow-up? Yeah, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, definitely there's something like going on brewing uh, right now. And uh, uh, so uh, I guess we will see in the coming days what what will happen. But uh, good that the, the civilians, most of them got out, as I understood. So, yeah, thank you. All right. So I've been DM and CJ a little bit. Um, CJ's got some pretty strong views about this on his way to PT, I presume. Uh, so he looked at the pictures, and one thing he says is this is definitely HIMARS. And the reason he says that is because all five missiles landed within five meters of each other. And he has a, he has a picture here, like sort of proving it, right? So um, that's like CJ's stance. Um, he says the bridge is already mined by the Russian. It's also defended by two companies of infantry as per the barracks nearby. So it would be impossible to, or nearly impossible to sneak in and blow it up. Uh, point two, punching through from the top down, you notice. Oh, so I asked CJ, I was like, why do it this weird way? Why not just blow up the bridge from the top? Like, why did the HIMARS punch through, right? So he said, punching through from the top down, you notice the road is damaged, but the support isn't. Meaning that Ukrainians with HIMARS can damage the bridge beyond repair for the time being without destroying it for good. So it seems to be that they punched through specifically so that they wouldn't have to damage the bridge significantly, only as much as they needed to. And so point three, he says, so far, oh, I asked him, why um, so why so few, right? Why only use one pod? If you're trying to take out a bridge, wouldn't you want to use more? And he said, uh, so far, they put two times of the pods into it as two hours ago. Uh, my guess is it's going to take six pods to get the job done. So he's saying probably they're going to keep working on it. But uh, he says it'll be up very soon. So I'm going to stop uh, reading everything he said. But uh, anyway, that's like CJ's take. Uh, I don't know, David or Museum, did you guys uh, want to add anything? Uh, well, we'll, well, go first, David, the Museum. Go ahead, yeah, David. I mean, sorry, David. Uh, uh, no, no, you you go first. Yeah, I, no, uh, I... I think he's exact. Well, I, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't challenge his view on whether or not it is, it is high mark, but I'm sure he's, he, he's exactly right that there's, they're simply trying to de- degrade and deny the bridge without taking it out permanently. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's clearly what's happened. Um, and if that's how they're doing it, great. You know, um, they can carry on doing it and they don't need to completely drop the spans unless they want to, you know, they can still leave it as a footbridge. You know, it, it's, it's impressive stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's, what they're doing is very impressive. And for clarity, I was never, ever saying that um, Ukrainian divers would take explosives to the bridge and actually about saying it's, it's nigh on impossible. Uh, they, you just, you, as I said, you would need a submarine uh, uh, with the amount of explosives needed to do it, which is why the Russians 
had a dive platform on there. Uh, any divers there would, uh, going there would be only going uh, to disable um, anything that was on that bridge. And by on it, I mean uh, down at the at the uh, the pier footings in the water. It's definitely. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm finding this really quite encouraging for for other bridges, you know, because it, to me, this is this is actually quite unexpected that they've been able to puncture the deck in this way. And, you know, there will be other bridges that presumably will be built to the same standards in the same way. And uh, there's a lot of bridges on the approaches on the the Ukrainian side to the Kerch Bridge that you could drop onto the track and uh, cause quite a bit of disruption there, you know, without uh, without having to worry about trying to do the uh, the much bigger and more substantial Kerch Bridge itself. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, we had a lot of debates uh, on the space here, like, about whether or not they should or shouldn't blow up the bridge, right? And uh, they seem to have found, like, a way to completely, uh, you know, 3D chess us all and, and, and figured out a way to just... To, to make the bridge, deny the bridge without destroying the bridge. Uh, Delman, go ahead. Maybe Delman's doing something. Uh, so maybe we'll go to Vern. I'm hoping we can get CJ up here pretty quickly. Uh, oh, yeah, Delman's reconnecting. Uh, so we'll go to Vern, and then um, hopefully CJ will be up. Uh, Vern, go ahead. Oh, hi. Yes, uh, I was commuting when I heard um, Delman talking about um, PR and the West and um, sort of lamenting why Russia's able to sort of have this one solid message, whereas ours is... Uh, a bit more fragmented, and I was just going to say that I believe it's a feature of democracy that there's that there's uh, multiple voices. Um, but I think one interesting uh, sort of footnote to that is that um, when Putin was humiliated by the public media back in 2000, when the Kursk sank, um, he vowed to basically end any sort of form of plurality uh, in the media, and he turned to one template uh, to ensure that the message was consistent and in his favour, and that was the um, uh, Ailes template for Fox News. Um, and he also got a bit of advice from his mate Berlusconi at the time because you, you may be aware that when Berlusconi uh, came to power in Italy, he owned all of the private TV stations, and when he got into power, he got ownership of all the public stations as well. So. He was, yeah, Putin was able to sort of look at, at, at Fox and, and, and Murdoch's Fox and then look at, at what Berlusconi had been able to achieve and cobble together his own um, sort of outlet. And, and combined with that, you know, in Russia, a lot of people don't speak English. Uh, and so the only source of information that they get is through the Russian language channels, which are almost all um uh, instructed or influenced by the regime. So, um, yeah, that's uh, sort of what I wanted to say. I don't know if Domin's there or if uh, the conversation can continue on that note. Delman's phone basically caught on fire and it's cooling down right now. And uh, I think he's probably listening, but uh, yeah, he can't, he can't comment. His, his phone is on fire. I've, I've been there, Delman, let me tell you. Um, but yeah, we've got two uh, bridge experts here. So really... If anyone does have any questions about this Antonovsky Bridge, uh, I guess, or bridges in general, um, it's probably a good time because, as, as we said, Ukraine's done something pretty interesting here. It took us a while to figure it out. 
Uh, first, it was High Mars, and it wasn't High Mars. Now, CJ's saying it was High Mars. I think I believe CJ because he just showed me a picture that like there's just three holes in there, and they're so close together. It just implies to me that yeah, it's it looks like a pod of you know missiles all targeting one thing. But that's just me, um, and that's CJ. He 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 knows his stuff. Uh, so we, we've got High Mars. They didn't detonate on the bridge. They didn't try to blow it up. They punched through the bridge. And that's like weaken the structural integrity of the bridge to the point where our two sappers, our bridge guys, are saying this could be a problem for the Russian military to the point where maybe they can't take their tanks across the bridge. They can maybe get away, but they can't use the bridge to its full potential um, to actually move military equipment. So it's kind of an interesting thing. If you have a question for these guys, uh, it'd be great for you to come up right now. You can press the uh, microphone button in the bottom left-hand corner of your screen. You can press a little heart icon in the center, and then on the far right, you can raise your hand, and uh, we'll do our best to answer your question. Of course, uh, uh, Maria Report supports MariaAid.org. Uh, it's a charity organization that's run completely by volunteers, and uh, they get things like, uh, you know, tourniquets, hemostatic bandages, drones, uh, body armor, uh, thermals, night vision, things Ukrainian soldiers and civilians need right now on the front lines. And uh, it's a completely volunteer organization. There's no administrative costs, no salary, so your complete uh, a donation, uh, every every cent of help you give will go directly to uh, getting the 